0: He's in trouble and he knows it. You've warned him to stop being so casual and reckless behind the wheel, and now he's got a speeding ticket. He apologizes and says he wasn't paying attention and that it won't happen again. Doesn't matter. You two have rules, and you're going to enforce them. In the corner, you order him. He winces and complies. We have an agreement, you tell him. Any speeding tickets can get his baking over the knee on your pants. Then, 20 with the belt on your underwear. And then 40 with this trap on your bare ass. Do you understand? Yes, sir. He whimpers. He knows you're gonna stick to the plan and make him take his punishment because you always stick to the plan. Welcome to episode 45 of the Dudes It Dudes podcast. This is not a podcast about fighting inflation, the economic issue of skyrocketing prices and decreasing purchasing power, nor is this a podcast about embracing inflation of fetish that involves fantasies around ballooning bodies. Uh, this is a podcast about dudes spanking other dudes, a different fetish, and dudes being spanked by other dudes. Uh, and this podcast is hosted by two dudes.
1: Hi, I'm Jaden.
0: Hey, Jaden, and uh, this is Scott, also known as Red Spank Scott. Welcome back to the podcast for the millionth time. Uh, Jaden, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, thanks. Great. Good to be back.
0: Yes, and for those who don't know, Jaden is the creator and mastermind of the wonderful app and website WAPS, W-H-A-P-P-Z. Uh, what's going on with WAPS these days?
1: So uh, the big announcement, as um, some people probably already know, we just uh, released a brand new update to our iPhone app, uh, also including an iPad um, version as well. And so that's available on the App Store. Um, we also did a small update on Android. Um, some of the changes, uh, one of the big ones is, is the way photos are handled. There was some challenges around adult content in the App Store. Um, What we've been able to do is allow people to have private albums uh, where they can put their adult content, um, but it's initially locked. And and if you unlock your albums to other users, uh, you can share them um, that way. And people on using iPhones or Android phones or the website can see them. Yeah. So that's one of the things that should make it easier for people to have the photos they want to, because I know that was a, that was a challenge in the beginning with Apple, um, even allowing to have the app and, and then of course it was confusing for people that you know couldn't get the photos they wanted to have on their profile.
0: Yeah, it's an obnoxious thing, and just to you know to, to reiterate, it's not because Jaden is a prude about nudity. It is very much rules that are forced upon WAPs in order to have the uh in order to have the app on Apple, um in, in uh on your so that you can have it on your iPhone. Um, and also makes it, you know, accessible in other countries, um, that have even more strict laws about nudity and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, uh, thanks for that. And then, uh, summer is here, uh, and that means, uh, it's time to start planning for a a number of other events, uh, Camp Red Tails, uh, first of all, will be coming up in July. This is going to be their first time back since COVID. It's been a while, um, I still haven't been to it. I'm not going to be going this year. I know, Jaden, you've been to them in the past, but you're not going this year?
1: No, I'm not going this year. I have been to Camper Ritz Hill six times. Um, it's a tremendous event. I encourage anyone that's thinking of going to go. Um, I know that it's it's been um, – they haven't had it for a few years because of COVID, as Scott mentioned. It, um, it is becoming harder and harder to get a venue like that. So I think if you are at all interested in going – um, do it sooner rather than later because, you know, I, I don't know how much longer, um, you know, those kinds of events can go on. It's it's very difficult to get affordable uh, venues for smaller um, fetish groups like like ours. Yep.
0: Yep. So that's coming up in July. Uh, Badass Weekend has open registration um, in October in Augusta, Georgia for their event. So they're planning to come back. I'm registered. You're registered. Yes, sir. Yep. So we will both be there. That uh, badass weekend again is B-A-W-Event.com uh, for that site. Um, I'm already registered. I'll be planning to arrive there on Wednesday. They've actually they've expanded the event so that it's now officially starting on Wednesday uh, and running through Sunday. Uh, so looking forward to seeing a bunch of folks there. Um Based on some experiences at last Badass Weekend and some experiences I had at Hot Seat Retreat in the spring, I'm going to be putting together some sort of plan. I'm using the word plan very loosely here because um, I don't want it to be too planned. But uh, as the concept of bully fantasies have been playing out more and more in this baking scene, there's been more and more interest in it. And I'm going to try and maybe structure or organize some sort of way to do that. Um, and I'll be working with or talking to folks who are attending Badass Weekend to see uh, to see how they want that to play out. Um, I will be attending as a switch. So I will be bullying boys, and the plan is, you know, bullying, bullying boys and then being punished for bullying boys. Uh, and that's kind of like what I want to try to see if we can play out. We'll, we'll see what we can work out. And then our big news for the event that we organize, Hot Seat Retreat, we have got the dates nailed down for March. Tell us about that, Jaden.
1: Yep. So the website has been updated with um, some information for next year. Um, The dates are March 16th to 19th, 2023. It's going to be at the CCBC Resort Hotel, as it has been the last two times. Um, One of the things uh, people should understand is that all of the rooms at the CCBC are blocked for the event. So um, don't don't try calling them to book them because the rooms are they'll tell you it's sold out. Um, It's not sold out, um, but we actually manage the room booking process. So if you're interested in Hutsy Retreat, um, sign up for our newsletter if you're not already on it. And we'll have more information about the registration and the room bookings and all of that um, in the fall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There will be a day, you know, in the fall where we open up. Uh, for people to actually register for the, for the event, and that's where you'll be have the opportunity to reserve a room. And to be clear, because this is an issue that comes up with each of these events, there is limited space at the resort. There is unlimited space for people to attend hot seat retreat, but not everyone who attends will be able to stay at the resort, and there is no way around it. Uh, we, we'll do the best we can to stuff as many people as we can into ccbc but some people are going to have to stay at overflow hotels or um or room sharing or or other other mechanisms um you know it's, it's palm springs there's there's lots of places to stay in palm springs um but uh just as last year we'll do the best that we can to make the resort fun for people to hang out at and play even when they're not staying at ccbc um and then uh, the last thing I'm going to do is just kind of promote uh, the, again, the dudes Spaking Dudes. Uh, I've launched a Discord server. Uh, Discord is a sort of an online chat room kind of thing uh, where people can have all their own private chat rooms. It started off as a system for gamers to connect with each other. Uh, now it's since branched off to that. It's become a really nice Place for people with various fetishes to create little communities, little private communities uh, that you can get in by invite only, and we can have fun. Um, we had a uh, uh, our first sort of a chat room, um, and the chat rooms, unlike the old days of AOL, uh, they're video conference enabled, uh, so we can. I was I was on video conference and, and uh, chatting with folks um people can potentially down the line do live spankings uh i know somebody is uh planning on discord to maybe uh on the Do Dude spanking dudes uh discord give someone a spanking that people will be able to listen in on uh so if you want an invitation to the discord server hit me up on waps at uh Red Spank Scott, um or send me a message to our twitter feed uh which is dudes, spank dudes, so but that that is all of our uh messages, so let 's have some fun um An idea I had been thinking about for a while is the fact that some guys have some very rigid ideas about how spankings should play out, that is their fantasies, um while other guys are a lot more flexible and playful about their spanking experiences, so you have rigid guys. Uh, and you have flexible guys. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking that, that this should definitely be something that we talk about in the podcast at some point. And then I kind of had the realization, wait a minute. Spanking implements can also be classified as either rigid or flexible. I'm like, isn't that interesting? So we could do a fun theme episode. And so that is our plan for this episode. We're going to talk about rigid versus flexible implements in our Real Dudes, speaking, Real Dudes segment. And then we're going to talk about rigid versus flexible playstyles and fantasies and the fantasy life of spakings. So we're going to talk about what people should know about them, the ins and outs of these things. And the most important part, one is not better than the other. People often have preferences for one or the other. And it's important to understand that when you're working to connect with each other and arranging PlayStation a arranging play sessions uh, and making plans to either give or receive spankings from other guys. So let's start with implements, rigid versus flexible. This is pretty easy. uh, But for people who are inexperienced, it's worth talking about. Jaden, what is your preference for implements?
1: Uh, For receiving, I think I, I would much prefer the flexible.
0: Yeah. So flexible implements we are talking about things like things like straps, belts and and for most people, their hands um, that are that bend, you know, things that are not hard. Um, It doesn't mean they don't sting. It doesn't mean they don't hurt, but they they are not like paddles. Paddles. The the obvious examples for rigid implements, we have paddles and brushes. Paddles and brushes are easy to use. But they are hard. They're they're my favorite. I am am a hardcore paddle man. It is the first implement I focused in episode about uh, all the way back in episode five. Um, It is very popular among Spankos. It's easy to use, has a lot of different kinds of feelings. Each paddle, um, each brush has its own unique sort of pain signature, um, and that makes them very interesting. Straps and belts um, are a lot more flexible. Um, they do not have the same risks when they're being used. So what we can talk about here now is uh, what you need to think about when you're using a rigid implement versus what you're thinking about when you're using a flexible implement. So as a top, Jaden, I know you typically use your hand, right? Do you also use straps and belts?
1: I do. So I, as a top, I I kind of actually prefer rigid implements. Um, I do a lot of hand spanking. Uh, and I like that, and it kind of fits with my domestic interests. Um, But the rigid implements are much easier to use, and, you know, you can use them in pretty much any position, especially with something like a brush. Um, Flexible implements like belts and stuff are actually really hard to use well, um, and if you're not confident in them, you don't use them very hard, and then the sub is not very satisfied. So for that reason, I find rigid implements are just my sort of go-to also it's a little easier to pack them sometimes, um although I mean a belt I guess is easy to pack as well. You can just wear it <laughs> yeah yeah
0: so so yeah, there's a funny um irony or a paradox, which is that the rigid implements are the ones that are most flexible to use, which is to say, you can just grab a paddle, you can just grab a bush. You don't need to be in a particular position. You don't need to put the bottom in a particular position to use them safely, although you do if you're using really long paddles or really heavy paddles. Um, With flexible implements, the irony here is you need to make sure that they are in a uh, proper position in order to hit carefully uh, one of the weaknesses or, well, one of the risks of flexible implements is the the fact that they can wrap around the body. Uh, we talked about belts in episode sixteen. We haven't really done an episode specifically focusing on straps, but a lot of the the, the similarities there are similarities in dealing with belts and straps. Um, you need to position the bottom typically often on a bed or a bench where you have free range, free aim on their backside, and enough room to do a swing, uh, and you need to learn to aim so that hopefully the belt or the strap does not wrap around the side and hit strike the uh, side of their thigh. Now, it's not terribly dangerous to do that, um, but rather it's not... (laughs) The reason we spank butts is because... We get a certain feeling of fulfillment from that type of pain and you feel it much less when it wraps around the side or if it hits areas that are not not your butt. Uh, so essentially it is it can take someone out of the scene. It can it can affect their heads, the bottom's headspace if you keep hitting areas that you're not aiming for. In
1: other words, they're just gonna get annoyed with you. <laughs> yes, yeah. They're gonna get annoyed. <laughs> Simple way to put it.
0: Yep, they're gonna yeah. get annoyed and it's gonna be difficult for them to maintain the scene and they may tell you to stop. And so anyone who's experienced with paddles and or I'm sorry, anyone who's experienced with straps and belts will tell you you really need to practice on like on a pillow on a bed to work on getting that middle spot so that you're you're hitting it in such a way that you go across the butt and stop at the edge of the butt. Before wrapping around, but they are great for particular scenes. They are associated with uh, judicial punishments, with military punishments, so with uh, prison punishments. So, if your fantasies involve those kinds of scenes, if you know the old Southern boy in the the woodshed, the the literal woodshed scene, you know, often involves using a strap or strap. Those are implements that are associated with these particular fantasies, which is, again, another funny irony is that the flexible implements, straps and belts, are often associated with very rigid styles of punishment scenes <laughs> where it plays out in a very particular way. So with rigid implements, paddles, brushes, uh, Jaden, what, what do you look out for since you say that you often use them when you are using your paddles and brushes? What are you, what are you keeping an eye on?
1: Yeah, so I, I think um, you do have to kind of have an understanding of how much force you're, um, you know, you're you're putting on somebody when you use them. So, you know, some brushes are a little bit lighter and you can you can use them with quite a bit of force and it, it, it stings a lot. And but if it's a really heavy implement that's rigid um, and you use force like a lot, it can be too much. So the, I think one of the big things is just to sort of know what know what your implements feel like and um I, I think part of it a big part of it is just the weight right so if it's a if it's a really lightweight rigid implement it probably has more sting and less thud um and if it's a heavier you know like a large paddle or or a heavy wood like a jacari or something uh, a lot a lot of thud uh combined with the with the sting so it's going to it's going to hurt more
0: yeah one of the things i like about the paddle is that through the use of various paddles, you can have the entire range of butt pain. <laughs> which is, which is fun, but it also means that, yeah, you need to know what each of these things that you're using feels like, what it does to the butt, and to be able to kind of react to responses. Um, and that creates, uh, it's easy to use. You know, paddles are really, really easy to use. It's also easy to go too hard. It's easy to um, go too quickly and wear your bottom out too quickly. They're risky to use in long scenes, um, particularly the larger paddles, frat paddles. There's a reason why, you know, frat hazing scenes involve like five or six squats. Um, you can actually do more if you're careful in using them and you learn how to use them, practice with them. But to understand that... uh intense, long paddling sessions. So when you're using any sort of punishment, implement, period, and even your hand, of course, we know that the butt turns red. The butt turns red because blood is reacting to the pain and approaching the surface of your skin. And this is normal behavior. This is how your body responds to injuries, perceived injury or not. It doesn't mean you're being injured, but your body thinks it is. So you get the redness from blood coming towards the surface of your skin, thickening it up, thickening it up, making your skin tougher. And that's how you get that sort of leathery feeling. One of the things that can happen with any of these implements, but particularly so with things like paddles and brushes, um, particularly small ones where the impact uh, is really focused, is the edges or uh, will start to break the skin. Blood will start to seep through the edge of the skin because it's just coalescing up near the surface of the skin and you'll start to get that stickiness uh, and you will start seeing but even if the butt even if the butt is not openly bleeding you will start actually seeing blood start to kind of collect on the surface to be clear this doesn't just happen with any paddling or any brushing this takes a little bit of time usually though some butts are super sensitive um, people who have fairer skin, complexion can turn red really fast this can happen much more quickly. Uh, similarly with straps and belts um, it doesn't have the risks are not quite as great but they're not zero especially because the edge of the strap or the edge of the belt you can, even if you're an experienced, I'll, I'll mention because like this could happen even with people who are really experienced and really good with straps and belts is that it might not hit perfectly evenly. And you may get a bit of the edge of the belt or the strap. And once you get past that certain point when you're punishing someone, it can help break the skin a little bit and you'll get some bleeding. Then we get to the cane. And uh, the cane, interestingly enough, I think is like both the best and the worst of both worlds. Would you agree?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely got a lot of intensity behind it.
0: Yeah, so it is both... Rigid and flexible uh and so so it has the benefits and some of the risks that you associate with it, with both of these other types of implements. it has the most intense sting um when used properly by someone who is an expert, like if I were to get an expert, I'm, I, I I see myself as pretty much an expert with the paddle, though I, I'm always learning. If you were able to get an expert with the cane, an expert with the paddle, an expert with this trap, and had each of them do a few of their best on your butt, I think we would all be in agreement that the cane was the one that stings the most. Mm-hmm. Um, much like this traps in the belt, it connects to a lot of very specific, very traditional role playing environments, um, uh, and role playing that is often very rigid. Uh, you, it's associated with you getting a certain number. Uh, we focused on canes in episode thirty five. Uh, if you want to listen to them, and they are of course associated with British, you know, schoolboy fantasies mostly. Uh, judicial canings, all of these things where you get a fixed set amount of um, strikes with the cane. And the reason it's the worst of both worlds is because, number one, even though they are rigid mostly, they are flexible enough on the tips that the wrapping situation is also present. And if you Uh, If the cane goes too far forward, it can hit the side of the butt. And unlike belts and straps, it is much easier to break someone's skin with it. And so you have to be a lot more careful. The reason that uh, if you watch an experienced person getting a caning, they are working their way up and down the butt. The reason is so that, well, so that the, the the intensity of the stink feeling travels and it's not in the same spot every time. But of course, if you keep hitting the same spot with a cane, it is going to break the skid very quickly. Have you? Do you have much experience with the cane?
1: I have a little bit uh, receiving the cane um, and not much giving. It's it's a very technically complex implement. And I don't really get a lot of people asking for it. So I haven't, I haven't put much effort into learning it.
0: Yeah, I have learned it, and but yeah, like I don't, actually don't have one, and I rarely come across people who want it uh, here in America. Uh, but we will point out one of the biggest, one of the, the most popular events, uh, unscheduled events that happens at Hot Seat Retreat or has happened in the last two years, at Hot Seat Retreat are two buddies of ours who are experts in Canadian school caning who um and they do this about us weekend as well and who will open up their room to give canings and there's a line of guys uh outside their room uh getting getting canings from them and it, it is super hot and uh the, the top is super experienced uh and does amazing caning scenes um and they're very interesting to watch. I have not I keep promising them I'm going to get canings and I have not done it yet. Uh,
1: but I will. Yeah, it's a great opportunity if you're at one of those events because you can play with people that are really good at you yep. know what they what they do. So I have I have partaken in that, and what I would say is I, I ended up being able to take much more than I thought I could. So it's uh you know you know when you trust somebody and and particularly when other people are there to support you as well um you kind of get a little bit of a shoulder massage while you're getting the caning so it's uh yeah it's a really cool experience
0: yep and then that leaves us with the the most common spanking implement the hand <laughs> so so the hand you, you you give a lot of hand spanking so 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 do you see your hand as flexible or rigid
1: i i think it's both um probably more on the flexible side like i i definitely want it to sting um, and I, yeah, I think if if um, if I had a meteor hand, um, it might be more behave more like a paddle, but but I don't. <laughs> I have a skinny hand, so it's more of a stinging implement.
0: Yeah, most people's hands are flexible, but just as with all, you know, there are experts in every implement we talked about. the there's there are some very expert hand spankers whose hands feel rigid and feel like paddles, which and I like. And so I like getting hands bakings from them entirely because it's it's almost like getting a paddling. Um, there is a, a top here in um, here in L.A. who I go to and I get some very intense spakings from and they are amazing. Um, but one of the great things, of course, about spakings, even with someone who is who has that really hard hand they're probably less likely to result in the kinds of bad side effects that can happen with rigid implements. But uh, you, uh, you've you mentioned to me that, that um, you've given hand spankings where there have been some side effects that you have to pay attention to. So, so what have you seen when you've been giving out these hand spankings?
1: So what, something I've noticed, uh, particularly with, with newer bottoms, uh, newer spanking bottoms, is that you can actually mark somebody fairly easily with a hand spanking. Um, I don't know why the, the, the I don't know the biology of that, but basically I think the, you know, the the small, small blood vessels that run right by the surface of the skin, they can actually kind of rupture. And so you get these sort of linear um, red marks underneath the skin. And um, if that happens, um, that takes a while to heal. So that person might be pretty upset with you if they weren't expecting um, something like that. So it's more than just sort of the overall shade of pink. It's an actual line, like a linear kind of line uh, along their butt. Huh. Um, so so I've definitely found that uh, with, with certain people. And and some people, they already know that it's going to happen, and they kind of warn me ahead of time. So, But, yeah, I, I'm not sure why it is the hand more so than, than other. I think maybe the way the hand can contour – Um, to the shape of the butt and maybe the perhaps the friction between the skin of the butt and the skin of the hand. Um, But something about that can cause those little tiny capillaries to kind of rupture and create these um, essentially small blood blisters, I guess.
0: Interesting. I have not really had that experience with a hand, but I'm not – I mean mostly because – I'm so much into paddles and brushes that I'm always looking for reasons to bring them out anyway. So I've never done really long or really hard hand spakings like that. Um, And also perhaps because I'm also very experienced in receiving paddles or brushes, I haven't had that experience with hand spakings receiving either. But, yeah, it is a really good reminder, though, that every butt is different. Uh, Everyone's capacity – well, capacity for pain, the more spakings you receive, the more you'll be able to take – but it's also a reminder that particularly if you're inexperienced, you need to be prepared that your butt, uh, how your butt reacts to it may surprise you in good ways, uh, but sometimes in unexpected ways where it, um, where you end up having a more physical um, side effects than you were expecting. Even, and one of the awkward things is like, um, you may, you may be fine with it, it may, it may bother you that you have that, you know, that redness or that injury. But one of the, the other things that could happen is that you may not realize that it's being hap- that it's happening while you're getting spanked because you could still be in a decent headspace. Like this is something that you end up also having to learn as a bottom is when you're in your headspace to take this punishment with these implements, you may not realize <laughs> what's happening to your body butt because you are just in that mode where you're being a bottom. Um and so that's something to think about if you have to be careful about how your butt is going to look afterwards. Understand that um uh tops, you know, expert tops will warn you and will say, hey, you know, if you tell a if you tell a top I can't have any bruises or marks, you'll be like, well, I can't promise that because they don't know your butt um and your butt is going to decide how it's going to react and it's um it's not like there's a magic formula because each butt is different you know as as jaden notes for some guys even hand can can do more than turn your butt red so it's just something to keep in mind me as a bottom I love marks I love it when I because for me, because I like my mindset is I like to feel like I'm being tough when I get spanked. So when I get bruises, when I get welts, I don't like skin breaking because, you know, skin breaking means that makes me feel like I'm not tough because my butt gave up. <laughs> if that makes any sense. But like the the idea that, that uh, I have, you know, blisters or marks or bruises or all of these things after the punishment, those, I love that. And as a top, if a bottom kid take it, I love doing that to them. I love inflicting those kinds of marks. But I'm also adjustable. I'm flexible. And we'll get to that in the next section of the podcast. But just to keep in mind, uh, each of these implements uh, have have wonderful benefits, uh, feel differently, uh, work differently, work in different kinds of scenes, but also have various weaknesses or challenges that you need to be paying attention to when you're either using them or having them used on you. So with that now, let's talk about rigid versus flexible play styles. So first of all, and before we get into this discussion, an important reminder and, um, this kind of feeds into a little bit about the spanking culture and the spanking community uh, and some conflicts that sometimes rise up. Neither of these is bad or a wrong way to play. If you have a very rigid approach towards spanking, that is fine. If you have a very flexible approach to spanking scenes, that's also fine. What ends up happening though sometimes is you, because it's the way that you play, you people often tend to project their ideas of what these fantasies are supposed to be like on other people. And assuming that the way that they play is the default way to play. And that's where problems start to crop up. So if you're a rigid player and you think that, oh, no, 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 no. A spanking scene is supposed to be like this, 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 and this because you are the rigid player that's going to cause conflict with other people that you might want to play with um, because they're like, well, I don't, I don't want to play that way. And your response is, well, this is how spankings are supposed to be. And I'm like, well, no, this is how, this is your fantasy. But the same token, flexible people are ones who like to react um, either as a top or a bottom to the situation and make adjustments. And as someone, and I am a flexible player. um, I've had, the opposite problem of the rigid player, where particularly as a top, uh, because I'm a flexible top and I want to be able to react and respond to how the bottom is behaving um, in order to adjust the seed, I have been um, bottoms who have bottomed for me who didn't enjoy the experience because they wanted that rigid player. So it's not like I was wrong or the rigid player is wrong or the, the bottom was wrong. It's just that. What the bottom was looking for and what I was looking for were different. So, the goal here in this discussion is to talk about the difference between rigid play styles, flexible play styles, what goes on with them, how to work with each other, um, or, and how to find other people who like the same kind of play as you. So, let's um, Jaden, what kind of player are you? Are you rigid or flexible?
1: <laughs> uh, I I confess I'm I'm more on the rigid side.
0: Um, See, I, I didn't so the, fact start... you, the fact that you, fact that this is part of the problem because like you think you have to confess that. <laughs> um, I mean, I
1: think that in the beginning I, I, you know, I wanted to be flexible and, you know, when you're first meeting people, you kind of have to take what you can get and, you know, the people that are near you that you can trust. And, um, and then as I've gotten deeper into the scene and been fortunate to live in an area where there's a lot of people, um, I've been able to kind of really focus in on what I like the most. And um, if people aren't into that, then, you know, I, I refer them to other people or, you know, or look, look elsewhere. So that's kind of how, how I've, you know, evolved.
0: And so what does that look like to you? What, so in a scene, your ideal, you know, rigid kind of play scene, how does it play out for you?
1: So, I mean, I have a, a very specific kind of fantasy, generally domestic, usually dad's son, but it can be, you know, uncle, nephew, um, and, and some some other variations, sometimes, you know, family, friends, things like that. But very sort of um, wholesome home style um, uh, spanking and discipline. So, you know, as long as it fits in that bucket, um, it, I love it. Right. And then I'm flexible as far as like certain people have. Different sub interests within that, you know, things like underwear or, you know, the way that they're spanked, um, certain implements they want or don't want, like those kinds of things, I'm flexible, because it's a two way street, like you have to give, um, you know, the the sub is going to want things out of it, I'm going to want things out of it, and you kind of have to negotiate, but, but it's for me, the rigid part is sort of the overall fantasy, um, the, the, the role play aspect of it.
0: Yeah, so one of the interesting challenges is like if you have a rigid top and a rigid body, you're like, oh, those go together, fine. But one of the challenges, well, um, I see this play out in school fantasies. Whenever someone tries to organize um, school fantasies for these events um, that we go to Hot Seat Retreat and we Weekend, all of this stuff, you see, oh, well, I have this and I have this, and we can do this seat and this seated. and people um, have this idea that a school scene is rigid in a very particular way, and then you'll discover that, actually, um, this although a school scene is rigid, um, how it actually plays out can vary from location to location and from school to school, depending on what the rules are. So I went to school in Florida that and had corporal punishment in schools when I grew up, and it was a very specific rigid system. But it, it's different from say Texas and is different from England and and you know the number of Swats that were um, given the types of implements that were used all uh, you know all that varied from place to place and so when you say oh no we're going to do a school punishment while that is indeed a rigid fantasy um, two people's fantasies on that may end up being different so you'll have to still maybe come together and say oh so this is how this is going to play out in advance right
1: yeah i think everything's a negotiation and um
0: but yeah you
1: you know in, in my case i just i sort of know what i like and and i i focus on that and and try to find people that have a good amount of overlap um rather than kind of not having anything specific and and trying to do everything.
0: Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that can happen is um, if your if people's perceptions of how the punishment is supposed to play out, don't mesh things getting comfortable during the scene.
1: Yeah. It can, it can result in some awkward moments, um, particularly certain things that are, are trigger words for people that are, that are turn offs. Um, so you do have to be careful that, you know, you, in, in, in any kind of, any triggers or things that they definitely don't want to be included in the scene. Um, those should be understood ahead of time if possible. And it just avoids that kind of awkwardness.
0: Yeah. And one of the things to discover as a newcomer in the scene, when you talk about triggers is you may have rigid fantasies about how a spanking is going to play out, but you're new and you don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, and you may discover when you get into a scene that, um, something that was in your fantasies um, that you actually wanted to happen. You'll discover when it actually happens that no, you don't want it to happen. Um, And this could be awkward and uncomfortable. It's okay, it's part of the learning process. Um, I think it's kind of important to recognize that this is a thing that happens when you're new to the scene and you're trying to work out what it is that you want. So you may have rigid fantasies and then you go and play with someone, and discover that your fantasies were not realistic, or like you mentioned, um, something that happens during the scene triggers a feeling that you weren't expecting, and it pulls you out of your headspace, and you can't play, and you can't, and it, it, it affects your ability to stay in the scene. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I
1: would add to that that, it, that it's really important if you're a new sub and that happens that you say something. Because uh, even though somebody can be really experienced top, um, they can't read minds, right? So you, do yes. have to, you have to be like, oh, I don't like that. Or, you know, some communicate in some way to them that they need to kind of redirect from that wherever, you know, path they've gone down. Yep. The number
0: one reason that bad scenes end up happening or people having feeling unsatisfied by scenes is are is pretty much always a communication issue um, of someone who did either did not say that they weren't happy about something that was happening to them at the time that it was happening because they didn't want to break the scene. But then and they ended up putting up with something they didn't enjoy. um, Or someone who didn't listen uh, when they're being told. Both of those are, you know, things that happen, particularly in rigid scenes, but in flexible scenes as well. So. For flexible, we've talked about rigid play, um, and, you know, and what the risks are. Uh, let's talk about flexible play for a little bit. I see myself as a flexible player. Um, that means as a top, um, I love trying to create scenes and situations that fulfill Bottom's desires, um, rather than having a rigid sense of what a session is supposed to play out. It doesn't mean I don't have fantasies, um bullying hazing fantasies those are kind of flexible fantasies because one of the neat things about them is you know the the unpredictability of it part of it is the bottom isn't entirely sure what's going to happen and if you like that environment it's super hot um you don't know what implement's going to be used you don't know how many swats you're going to get um you don't know the order that things are going to happen. You don't know when you're going to have to take your pants down. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, that's, you know, the bottom of the experience for the top. You're thinking about you're listening to their reactions, the way that their body is behaving and the way that they are talking to you and reacting to um, how they're behaving when you're deciding when to implement, or uh, when to ramp things up, when to cool things down, when to take breaks for a minute and put them in the corner or do something else with them. Um, one of the great things about flexible scenes is that, you know, you could do a lot of different things with them. It's great for long sessions um, because you're reacting to the bottom, the way that the bottom is behaving. And so rigid scenes are often either shorter or have very regimented systems if they're going longer, which for, again, for, for the same thing for flexible scenes is for safety reasons. So the bottom doesn't take too much at once and not be able to do long scenes. Um, it is flexible scenes for are great for, to create a different feeling of helplessness in the bottom. Like in a rigid scene, when the bottom knows what's happening, it creates this sort of dynamic of uh, of tension of knowing the punishment that's coming a flexible scene where the bottom is in trouble creates a different sort of tension where he doesn't know what is coming <laughs> <laughs> and for me that is super hot when i am bottom yeah when i am bottoming i love the feeling of not really knowing what's going to happen i've talked about this before um when I'm in my headspace, one of the things I love is – and a lot of bottom – or a lot of the tops that make me do this is um, they have dozens of implements, and I don't know which ones they're going to use. Um, and one of, the, one of the hot things that uh, uh, Jr. Uh, Bossman, uh, who's been on the podcast a few times, when I bought them for him, one of the things that he would do is if he got a new implement, he wouldn't tell me – wouldn't show it to me, wouldn't let me see it. He would put me over his knee and hold my head down so I wouldn't even know what he was about to use on my butt. So needless to say, flexible scenes come with a lot of risks, one of which is, again, are you comfortable with not knowing what's going to happen? <laughs> and, um, and so as a bottom, that could be a little bit nerve-wracking when you're new to the scene. There is, there is a lot of trust involved when you're a bottom and a top. Um, the good thing is because it's a flexible scene, if you're with a good top, a good flexible top is going to react to your nervousness, uh, do things to reassure you, um, check in on you. I do not do a lot of heavy role play with guys until I'm getting to know them more and more and more. I've talked about this before. Um, I'm checking in on them. And then slowly wrapping things up, the real sort of bullying role play starts coming in. The more I know them, the more I know their limits, the more I experience them, and the, the more I know what turns them on about being mean, you know, or or, or being that uh, unpredictable top. Uh, one of the other interesting things that has happened in recent years is so as a bottom, as a flexible bottom, I was hilariously ironically inflexible when it comes to rigid tops. Which is to say, if someone had a very rigid idea of how his spanking should play out, I didn't want to bottom for them. Which is which is a little bit weird. And I started actually thinking about it, first of all, because I was having I was struggling to find guys I could bottom for. Um, and I started realizing it's like, wait, wait, I'm getting into my own head, this whole idea that it has to be this flexible scene. What matters is whether or not I'm comfortable and whether I have a decent connection with the top. And I started thinking about it from that perspective. Uh, and for example, the guy I mentioned earlier who gives really, really good hand handspaking. So I like to about him for He is also into something that's called uh clothed male, naked male. Uh, and for those who don't know what that scene is, is that says, uh, an S&M scene typically involved with spanking, but it could be other types of play as well, uh, where the top of the scene is fully clothed and the bottom of the scene is completely naked. It is, you know, a scene that intends to make the bottom feel submissive and humiliated by the fact that, of course, he is completely and fully exposed. It's not something I care about personally. Um, as a top, I actually love just having, I love like, I love the feeling of just pulling down their pants and exposing their butt and, you know, having their, their pants down in their legs and this sort of sense of them kind of feeling a little bit trapped with their ass out. I like that kind of, and it does kind of feel more like bullying, um, to do that, to partially expose someone. And because I'm not very penis oriented, full nudity doesn't actually do anything for me. So I've been kind of resistant to it. But I started rethinking it and started thinking to myself, well, I don't actually care. It doesn't bother me to be fully naked. I'm not embarrassed by the scene or I'm not embarrassed by the prospect of being fully naked for spanking. If I have a good vibe with the top. And in this case, I did. So I started doing it. So I started doing it. So I become, uh, hilariously, I become more flexible about rigid scenes. Uh, and so when I play with him, I get fully naked uh, after a certain point, And we do the whole thing where I fold up my clothes, fold up my, fold up my pants, fold up my shirt, you know, fold up my underwear, stick them you know, in a pile on the chair, go over his knee and do the scene. And he is also, you know, accommodating in the sense that, you know, he knows that it doesn't really do much for me. And he knows that I'm kind of accommodating him. So, we do kind of, you know, meet in the middle sort of. Like so he gets the experience of having this kind of rigid play pattern um, and what i get out of it is this enjoyment i have that i've talked about on the podcast frequently of when i bottom i want to make sure that the top is enjoying himself. And what i realized is that in order for a top if a top is rigid and he's enjoying pushing me into a rigid scene, that's kind of hot. Like the fact that I don't care, but he does, that's actually kind of hot. So I've kind of been getting more and more into the flexibility of being, you know, when I'm talking about being bullied, like these guys in these rigid scenes can bully me by making me do rigid scenes the other great thing about flexible scenes as a bottom is it's great for brats. So um, I don't know how much experience you have with, I bet you have a lot of experience with bratty bottoms.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think um, I, I, I do get some of that. I, I think of what you said, though, the, what comes out of it for me is like, no matter how rigid you are, it's still a negotiation. I mean, both parties have to get something out of it. right? And, You know, so so that's just something to keep in mind. And the more flexible you are, probably the more potential people you can play with. Um, And uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's I think if you're if you're rigid, as long as you have the flexibility to make sure that you're you're going to be able to come to a a middle ground with the person you want to play with, it'll work fine.
0: Yeah. And um, yeah. And if you're a a bratty bottom, um, one of the things that I love, so so sometimes one of the ways that I know if someone's a rigid top is that they don't like brats. <laughs> they don't <laughs> like brats because brats don't behave while they're being spanked. I love brats, and I've, 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 I, I, if you're a brat, I will, I will raise hell on your ass. Because for me, like, what makes brats work in these structural scenes is you're allowing the bottom the opportunity to escalate, this, uh, escalate the scene. Um, of course, rigid tops don't want that because, again, what, they're, what they value is this fixed system where they're in complete control of what's going to happen. They don't like the idea of someone who's being punished and then acting like it's not enough. And so it's important. And, you know, and the brat isn't wrong. The rigid top isn't wrong. Again, it's not wrong for either people to have those fantasies. The, the thing is, how do these folks play together? I love bratty bobs because when someone gets bratty, it's like, well, okay, I get to escalate. And the one thing I love to do as a top is is to be given this sort of role play permission to escalate the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's super hot. So any brats, oh yes, I will, I will, I will. You you cause as much trouble as you like. I am not the nice daddy. I am the mean daddy. I am the daddy who enjoys punishing you for your bratty behavior. Um, but the other thing I have learned as also as a flexible top is to, this has been, this has also been hard is to try to accommodate more rigid bottoms. Um, I had recently actually at Moonburn, um, uh, we have a newcomer at Moonburn who actually came to hot seat retreat Um uh and really cute. I wanted to spank him. He is into uh daddy son scenes, which for listeners of the podcast know I am not good at those. <laughs> I am not daddy. Uh I am mean daddy. So but um I decided to try to make it work uh role play in these situations is awkward for me. It is not natural behavior for me. I do not have the mindset, but it did kind of work out. The great thing is like the flexibility kind of worked out here in that. I just kind of improvised a scene where he had just doing it. And it's like, uh, I just kind of, you know, typically he got in trouble at school. And so while I'm, while I'm spanking him, uh, he's inexperienced. So I'm, I'm being a flexible top doing a rigid scene where he wants to get punished for a certain amount of time for misbehavior. Uh, We didn't really work out how much time, which is good because, again, he's not super experienced. So part of it was also me learning and teaching and him learning what his limits are so we could do more rigid and probably harder scenes down the line. Uh, But I did start role-playing this scenario in my head, which is a great thing that you could do when you're flexible, when you love to improvise scenes, where he was essentially the class clown, um, and he was telling jokes in class when the teacher was trying to teach. And it's kind of improvised throughout the scene that he was getting getting bad grades in school, and so I could be mean about it. And so what I did to ask the mean daddy is... He'd be getting, he gets spanked. This is not his first spanking. Like the, the idea is he's getting spanked for misconduct, but his grades, you know, and, and, um, it's clearly not enough. So we're going to go harder. Um, and I'm going to be, I am going to be a meaner and meaner daddy to him. So it's a way of kind of connecting my sort of bully fantasy with the daddy fantasy. So the idea of being the super strict daddy that does not allow any sort of flexibility is a fun way – or ironically, not allow any sort of flexibility in his behavior is a fun way for a flexible top to kind of pull in a rigid bottom. So I could still react to his behavior. And so I can still – he he still knows that – like. As long as he keeps accepting me role play that he's bad, that he's misbehaved, that he's engaged in misconduct, we can do these – I'm comfortable with doing these rigid scenes. So as long as he's giving me this sort of – not necessarily – he's not going to give me the brat feedback. Like um, even though I did the, the class clown role, the whole idea is like he's behaving this way at school and I'm not seeing it and that's why I'm punishing him. Uh, he doesn't do it around me because he knows I'll spank him so so we kind of did this role play this way, so but he knows you know outside the terms of the role play, he knows that if um he agrees with the role play that I'm doing, that I'm more than happy to do these rigid scenes with him that I'm improvising. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're you're adapting what you like um, to fit sort of what he's looking for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's super, it's fun. Um, I'm, he, I don't think he called me daddy or dad, which is one of those things that I, I used, I would not in the past have allowed that or, or got, I would have, it would have put me out of headspace. I'm getting better at that. I am as a flex, you know, I am getting better at letting people call me dad or daddy. If they know me, do not, if you do not know me, do not, start a conversation with me by calling me daddy. Um, It it puts me off fiercely. Um, And of course, as a bottom, I do not ever refer to tops as dad or daddy. It's just not a thing that's going to happen. And there are reasons for that. So, so again, so one of the challenges for flexible play, of course, is um, if someone wants a particularly rigid experience, can you give it to them? What do you need to do like I just explained, the reason I went through that entire explanation, not it was not just because it was a super hot scene, but was also what I went through mentally to do a rigid scene. Because it was not easy mentally for me. Um it really wasn't to kind of like get myself nice. You would think that it's easy. Like we're in this banking. How hard is it to role play someone did something wrong? It turns out if you 're not in that kind of mindset, it is actually kind of challenging. I kept like trying to think about what to say because i 'm usually just spaking and having fun when i 'm being a flexible topic when i 'm being a bully. I just make fun of them and I do and I do funny things you know make them, make them watch themselves in the mirror when they 're getting spanked, just getting wedgies, just doing all sorts of fun, silly, mean things, and not having to be very um Thoughtful about my approach, I do have to be very careful, of course, about the limits and all those things in playing safely. But I don't have to be terribly thoughtful because part of the fun is that it's not thoughtful. it could just, you know, we could just go with it and we just roll with with each other. And so I do have to kind of think about it. If you're new to the scene and you have flexible fantasies like this, safe words. Safe words are super important. It, it, like you said before, tops are not mind readers. And so knowing in a flexible scene where a lot of play is going on, um, learning your limits as a newcomer is very important. So even if your top um, is not like me, the reason I have a lot of experience with dealing with newcomers on the scene, and that has actually escalated since the podcast, since I started doing the podcast. I get a lot of newcomers who look for me, for first bakings, which is super hot, not so awesome. I like doing it, but it also means I now have a lot of experience with baking newcomers. Not all tops do. Um, and so as a flexible bottom, um, you need to be able to communicate if the scene is getting a little too wild for you. Um, because it can, it has the potential to do that if it's not a rigid scene where you're going into. Uh, and you know what's going to happen with the flexible scene, particularly if you're inexperienced, if they're like me or many of the other tops or bottom four, and they have this giant bag of tricks, you don't know how all of this stuff is going to feel. You don't know how your bottom is going to react to it. Um, I have had wildly differing experiences with bottoms uh, who are new, some of whom, um, like implements, that are often intended for experienced bottoms, like like bath brushes, and, and others for whom my milder implements just just got them to uh, uh, got them to say the safe word. You know, got me to stop like in just a minute. So, um, for flexible play, safe words are important with newcomers. They become less and less important the more you trust someone. I don't normally need to. I don't use safe words very much as a bottom. Um, I've been having fun with safe words actually as a top now with my bully paddle, um, with some of the bottoms, I've decided to end each session with the bully paddle by reminding them what the safe word is. And then just beating their ass fiercely until they say the safe word. And that's how the session ends. So I'm now I'm doing, I used to be, you know, I like, do this session safely, safely, safely. The goal is not to get them to say the safe word. So now that I have more experience with these particular guys, we're doing these nice, long, decent sessions, and I am learning. You know, and I know their limits. And so now I, what I'm going to do is make them hit their limit and just beat them until they say their safe word. And that's not how those sessions end. So, um, any more thoughts from you, Jaden, about for, for
1: rigid play
0: or, or for flexible play? Yeah,
1: I think the you know the the point about the safe words uh, is is, an, is a good one. Um, I, I don't use them as a sub very often, um, perhaps only if I'm really looking to push myself and see how far I can go. It's, it's kind of nice to have that negotiated ahead of time. And then you, you basically consented to taking as much as the, as the top, you know, wants to give you until you get to that word. Um, and when I, yeah, whenever I'm meeting up with somebody new, always have a safe word, um. And I think that takes some of the anxiety off away from them and allows them to enjoy the scene more. And, um, but I think you're right. When you get used to somebody in the style that they like, um, particularly if they're more of a headspace player and less of an impact kind of pain player, um, th- th- you don't need them as much once the trust is kind of established. Yeah. So yeah. important for everyone, I think, starting out, and especially if you're wanting to push yourself, as a as a sub um, on the pain level, um, definitely want to have that because it kind of takes that it'll it'll it gives the top in a way it gives them permission to push you further than you know you might be you <laughs> they might think you want it, so yeah um, it gives take you know it allows them to have that power yeah yeah it spent
0: some time thinking about you know, how you play versus, you know, the whole rigid versus flexible and these, the dynamic is also not rigid in the sense that you're not either rigid or flexible. As we both discussed, even though Jaden is much more rigid than I am, and I am more flexible than Jaden is, we have both learned that we need to make some adjustments based on the people we play with. Uh, And that is true for everybody. And then I think, The final thought here is um, an issue that I keep thinking about in recent years, and I vaguely bring up, and it is the concept of projection, um, psychological projection, and the idea that that people sometimes overly assume how other people think or feel based on how they themselves think and feel. And this could play out in a lot of bad ways in fetishes and BDSM scenes and it's one of the reasons why it's important to discuss these fantasies and the fact that people have very different approaches like one of the reasons like I, I noted at the start of this when you felt like you had to admit that you're rigid is that rigid you know people with rigid ideas on how to play end up sometimes developing this reputation of Thinking of projecting their rigid play styles onto other people, and thinking that this is the right way to do it, and this causes a backlash against the rigid player, which is you know not and which is not entirely undeserved. As people are explaining, it's like people are trying to explain to the rigid player, well, no, this is your fantasy of how a spanking should play out. It is not the right way for a spanking to play out. There is no right way for a spanking to play out. There are safe spankings, there are unsafe behaviors and spankings, but neither rigid nor flexible is the correct way to give or receive a spanking. But it is a way of talking about your particular spanking fantasies. It is a way for you to figure out what you're looking for in a seed and a way for you to negotiate what you want from other people in this baking scene. So I hope this discussion is helpful for people understanding where they fit within this baking community. So, uh, as always, uh, thank you, Jaden, for coming on. Um, Tell people how to get in touch with you and uh, how to find WAPS.
1: Sure, so WAPS is uh, on the internet, uh, w-h-a-p-p-z.com. Also, you can search on the App Store or Google Play. For Waps, and my profile there is just Waps, uh, very simple. I'm also on Spankthis, Twitter, um, and a bunch of other things under the same name, Waps.
0: As for me, I am Red Spank Scott. You will find me on Waps as Red Spank Scott. You will find me on Spanking, uh on Tumblr still. If anyone's still using that, don't reach out to me on Tumblr. I mentioned it; no one uses Tumblr anymore. Uh, but on Recon. Uh, and on Scruff as Red Spank Scott, you can find me on Spankus Hookups as Red S P K Scott. Uh, I'm using I'm using Spankless Hookups less and less each day, using Waps more and more each day. Uh, reach me out there again. My Twitter feed is Dudes Spank Dudes, all one word. Uh, reach out to me if you have any questions. Reach out to me if you want to get access to our Discord.